Welcome to the Save by Mother Earth podcast. I'm your host, Heather Webster, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Today, I interviewed Aubrey Thorne, but before we get into that, I just wanted to share that I do have a boot camp coming up. It will be a three-day boot camp where we meet daily through live, or it will be recorded so you can watch it after sessions, and we will have a Facebook group for community So come on over to my Instagram or check the show notes for the link. This will be a great way to start diving into connection and self-confidence, but also wellness as an overall. But without further ado, on to the interview with Aubrey. Welcome, Aubrey. It's so great to have you here on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. How are you today? Thank you, Heather. I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. fun. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. Um, As far as what I do, I'm an astrologer, a professional astrologer, and I am a transformative coach. And let's see, I have a background in Chinese medicine. I was an acupuncturist for over a decade. Then I also use my master's in Chinese medicine to to do feng shui consultations. I do a lot of feng shui or I would maybe like did a lot of feng shui. I feel like feng shui sort of had its heyday and then everyone's like, oh, I know what feng shui is. It's like a marriage corner, right? (laughs) I don't know. That takes a lot of re-education, but I, um, I also have done some interior design, but always with a holistic perspective. Oh, I love Um, that. So I love yeah. now you, it's mainly coaching and astrology. I, I love how everything kind of works together, right? Because the way your setup of your space really has a big impact on how you are within yourself as well, right? In your wellness. I, yeah. I mean, it's, we are, we are a part of our environment, right? So it's, it's the environment um, impacts us, but it also reflects us. So a lot of times, you know, we can have a lot of discovery by looking around our environment, right? And what we're surrounded by, how these things come together and look or impede our personal energy or support it, whether we have a fast moving house or a really slow moving house and can work on the outside, but it can also be really great information to show us what's kind of going on inside. Cause lots of times we're this close to ourselves. Right. Right. Exactly. Right? Hard to see. Yeah. When you're, yeah. Cause you, unless, I mean, even when you're looking in a mirror, you're just seeing kind of what it is there, right. You're not diving in, but somebody else that's there with you that can ask the right questions, which it sounds like that's what you do a little bit with transformative coaching is asking those questions so people can see that deeper. Is that correct? Or um, it's a, a lot. It's, a lot. it's, it's not, um, it, there is some question asking. It's not, it's not I wouldn't say um, it, I do a ton of question asking in coaching. I mean, maybe I do and I don't know that I do, but I think what I try to do more is a lot of listening and a lot of pointing because questions are usually, um, well, questions are asked to get an answer, right? So that would be more analysis. That's more kind of like a, why did you do this? How do you think you felt and blah, blah, blah. That that gets into sort of therapy land, which is great. But 
coaching is a lot of noticing and pointing so that someone can see it for themselves. Wow. Because in coaching and transformative coaching in particular, it doesn't matter why. Like the past doesn't matter. It's just like the, the why the why you got here, how you got here. It doesn't really matter. It's interesting. It's informative. We don't need to ignore it all, but it doesn't help create the future that people want to create when they hire a coach. Coaching is about the future and the present. Therapy is about kind of understanding the past. As I, as that's how I think of it. No, I love that. So can you give an example of something where you, maybe you were, were working with a client and you like did something to help point them in that direction? What would that look like? I'm fascinated by this, by the way, because when I do my own coaching, like I, I sometimes feel like I'm asking a lot of questions and I'd love to be able to do like what you're talking about a little bit more around pointing. And I think it also helps because then people that are listening can do that to themselves a little bit. Let's see an example. I would say a lot of the times it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward where someone, I remember a teacher I had said that he was taught this as a coach from another coach. And I found it to be very true. I'm basically just trying to attribute this to somebody else who said this, but this is very much what it feels like. And what I found to be true is that coaching is this process, this really interesting process where a person will tell me what their version of reality looks like, what life looks like to them. And then I listen to that and I tell a person what reality looks like to me. From hearing their story. Right. And it's sort of, so I can say, well, I noticed this, or did you notice that, that you're looking in this direction to solve your problem? Or did you notice that you have these resources available? Or it's really hard to get specific. Right. A lot of times it just boils down to me, to me listening to what somebody says and basically saying, is that true? Yeah. And, and is, and usually the answer is, no, that's not true. What, you know, we have a lot of things that we we think kind of automatically. We've got habits. That's where I use a lot of astrology too. So we can look at habits, um, habitual thinking, habitual patterns. But we don't even notice. You know, we, we just take it, things as true. We take reality as real, really. It, it might be a repeated experience. It might be a repeated feeling. It might be a habitual thought, but truth is something that an objective listener, a coach can, can kind of see with some perspective of like what, what you're naming is true is, is not actually true. Mm -hmm. I had a client once who was talking about how she, she feels like she can't be loved and Similar to what you're talking about, I, I use the word story and I say, tell me more about the story that you have in your head about not being loved. And, she, and so she shared a little bit. And then we talked about, are there people in your life that you can name that do love you? And that how do they show that love? But I like this idea of almost taking those questions and somehow pointing them in the direction without it always being a question where they have to like feel like the pressure to answer it versus yeah. being pointed. So that's really interesting, Aubrey. But the, and that's what, that's what I'm talking about. What, what, what you just said was, you know, you're, you're showing someone it, it's, it doesn't matter if we, we see an answer, think an answer, see a solution, think of a solution. It's not us 
seeking it. It's like someone has to see it for themselves. So it's uh, it's like pointing pointing at the moon. It's like see the moon. You know, I see it. You know, do yeah. you see it? And so it's like no, I don't see it. It's like well, maybe try not looking in that direction. Try turning your head, and you know, what do you see if you turn your head and look up that way? And they're like, oh, I see the moon. Right, because you know, their truth. If they're not looking at the moon, their truth is there is no moon. But or moon looks like a little sparkly star or a lamppost, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just depends where you're looking and how you're labeling what you're looking at. And the perspective that they're using. Um, the other day when we were talking, you talked a little bit about the mind, brain, spirit connection and how so many times you it's compartmentalized. And you were talking about how to bring it all together. And how does that work with like astrology and some of the other work you do? I, I guess my first, what occurs to me first is that I'm everything I pursued, everything I practice is always an attempt and probably a failed attempt, but because I'm human, but a, an attempt to not compartmentalize human beings as much as we do. You know, we are complex organisms with nuance and energetic, like layered energetic responses. And we're like miniature universes, right? So it's difficult and we're also really close to ourselves. So it's, it's kind of like looking at yourself in the mirror this close. It's to, un, to get a holistic picture of, of how we work and what's going on. And understandably, we've evolved to, you know, break our, break ourselves up into, into little pieces so we can understand this piece and understand that piece, work on this piece over here, work on that piece over there. And we could have like car parts, you know, like an engine kind of dismantled. We could really, you know, we could understand, well, that's the starter. And this is the, I shouldn't have used that metaphor. I don't know how cars work. You know, this is the thing that does that thing. Anyway, we can have it dismantled and see everything we're made of, right? We could have total awareness of what's inside, but not really get a good understanding of how it all works together. So I think the holistic piece to me, like that word means a lot because it at least acknowledges that it's not first this thing works and then that piece of us takes over. And then this thing over here, it's not like, it's like walking. It's like, we don't, we don't first think walking, then kind of use our legs. And then do you know what I mean? It's like a simultaneous, like this sort of, there's an urge, a thought, emotion and experience, and it's all happening in this beautiful, incredible, integrated field of activity, all the parts kind of working together. Find just on the the piece that I can kind of wrap my head around is like the mind, body, spirit piece Mm -hmm. as parts of ourselves. You know, it's like, I really try hard not to see them as parts as much as kind of partners and like a family of energies that are in this like really nice orchestration and we can't separate them so much. I love that term, a family of energies. It's so true, right? And I don't know all the parts for cars either. So I actually like your analogy because I think in a way, right? We don't know all the parts to humans either and everything that, how everything works. Um, But we do know, like you were talking about 
society likes to look at us in little pieces, right? Like you go to a doctor, you go, you might go to a kidney doctor, nephrologist for your kidneys, but you might go to a um, cardiologist for your heart. But what's impacting those two organs might be something in your gut, right? And you never end up going to a GI doctor. Yeah, and, or your emotions. Or your emotions. And those, your gut could be in, inflamed because you're stressed. Or maybe you had like this thought of something you weren't supposed to do and you didn't take that insight and you went and did it and something else happened, right? So I love this idea of this family of emotions that kind of, I mean, I feel a family of energy that all works together. And if you take one part out, your body or your soul won't be able to function in a way that, right? It won't be able to heal and be if you are only looking at the body and not looking at the mind and spirit, or if you take a part out, you're not getting a holistic view of who that person is and how they work. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think, but I think it's all working anyway, whether we see it or not. So I, we, I think we, we, um, we bring a lot of unnecessary complexity and complication to understanding ourselves because we keep trying to make the pieces better, the pieces work. And, you know, like today, I, you know, it's like, I have someone has posted that quote somewhere, you know, we've become human doings instead of human beings. And it's a smart, corny, you know, saying, because it's true. It's like, we have to do a lot less doing, right? Mm -hmm. If we just allowed everything to kind of work together and step back and did a lot more allowing. I think something like spirit could take over. This is what I see and what I sort of go for is to do less mental analysis, less body, you know, um, figuring out, right? It's not that there's nothing to do, but it's not all there. I think there's a lot more information and healing in the spirit piece. So I always wish it was like spirit, mind, body or spirit, body, mind, because spirit comes first and then it supports healing and harmony and organization and integration and balance in a way that's much more powerful than if we isolate these pieces from each other. I would agree for sure. It's hard to talk about. (laughs) Right. And the better practice, because it's in action, it makes perfect sense. Well, and they've also shown like, even when you're focusing on meditation, which goes into that intuition and spirit piece a lot, the brain literally transforms when you actively participate in regular meditation practice. So I I can see where you're talking about spirit coming first in that three flow of words, right? Of spirit, mind, body, because if you're doing that, they actually see that, okay, if your flight or fight response goes down, your reasoning and your executive functioning skills goes up as you're putting meditation practice in place. So if you're focusing on spirit and some of those pieces and aspects of spirit, it creates more for your mind and body to be able to function in a more um, present way. So we could be human beings versus human doers. So tell me a little bit about how did you get into astrology? Cause I'm always, I was as a kid, I loved astrology and I stepped away from it, but I'm still fascinated by it. So tell us a little bit more if you would like about astrology. I would like, I, I loved talking about astrology. And what was your path? So I, 
Well, my path was, my path was that I've always been, I mean, ever since I was little, maybe like around age 11, between 11 and 13, you know, I discovered horoscopes in <laughs> magazines. Yeah. And I would read them very dramatically for my friends, you know, like Heather, Scorpio this month. You know, and, and it was just, I, I liked giving people a little uh, a little dose of their future, right? It just, it just, it just um, enticed me. And so then I, I found um, Linda Goodman's Love Signs, the original, you know that book, right? No. Oh, she was like the original kind of 70s, one of the most popular astrologers. I still have the book up there. And, you know, but that was still very like pop astrology, astrology for romantic relationships but I, I loved reading about myself and telling other people what, what they were like. And, you know, people found it uncanny. So I was just mesmerized by the accuracy, even at that pop astrology stage. So then kind of fast forward, then I kind of, I stayed in energy medicine. I got a, you know, I studied Chinese medicine. I became an acupuncturist. I was always into like divination and signs and um, in, intuitive work and, just working with subtle energy realms with people's bodies and deep listening skills. And then the internet was invented. <laughs> and when the internet came along and I, I was like on dial up, right. For all the newer listeners that don't realize that some of us didn't have internet growing up. <laughs> oh my God. It was 1998 when I got my dial up and, and on the internet discovering astrologers that, had that were actually professional astrologers counseling astrologers that were writing about astrology in a way I'd never really experienced it beyond the horoscope world and that being said I love a good horoscope still Um, I think there is some merit to it when it's written well and then I discovered a teacher then podcasts came around and I started listening to astrology podcasts and I discovered my you know I found my teacher that way because I all of a sudden I was hearing, I was listening to someone talk, an astrologer, and I was like, wait, this is someone talking about sort of God in the universe, the way I think of God in the universe. And it just sort of, sort of blew up my doors. And I, then I, I did more research and it was kind of like acupuncture it was the same way where I just stopped one day. I was like, wait, people do this professionally. Can I do this for a living? And so I just started my journey and started studying and apprenticing. And I just think astrology is the most profound tool for it's, it's like this uh, rocket ship to awareness, right? It's like, oh my gosh, all these things that I, I sort of had the, I had the instinct that were positive or my gifts or my talents or things that I'd labeled baggage or negative all of a sudden put in the proper context, it became, they became useful traits. Some of the talents and gifts became things to not overuse, not to rely on so much. It opened up like perspective on other parts of myself in ways that I I never had seen myself before. Holistic picture to my potential. And I find astrology very hopeful too. I don't, you know, I don't really practice deterministic fate oriented astrology, but you can definitely see what the windows of opportunity are 
And so you don't squander them. You don't waste them. You don't sleep through them as much. I mean, we all forget. It's not like I sit there with my chart and I'm like, okay, today's the day I'm going to meet a helpful female, you know, and in a, in a group somewhere, but find a group. I, I don't, I don't practice that kind of astrology, but it sits in the back of my head where I'm, my eyes are more open. My heart is more open. And I think anytime we approach life with like a heightened amount of hope and heart opening, then things do happen. Our frequency changes and you know, it's all about frequency, really. I love how you said that you have kind of learned through your journey to not always, and through astrology that you've learned to not lean on just your gifts and strengths and that you were able to then figure out what other things you can do to kind of open yourself up and to build on who you are as a person. Cause I think it's, it's so easy to be like, Oh, I'm good at this. So I'm just going to continue going this way. Oh yeah. And well, I mean, especially um, in a world where a lot of us, a lot of the time tend to think thoughts or even say things like I'm the kind of person who, you know, our identity gets like, poof, like, tight, tighten it up. We, we make sure nothing can shake it. And our identity, a lot of the times, if you're looking at a natal chart has some lessons embedded in it, like don't, don't get stuck in this identity. You actually came here to maybe introduce some new identity pieces mm-hmm. into the picture. And those identity pieces that are usually places where we're a little nervous, a little embarrassed, we're like, oh, I don't know, I'm make a fool of myself if I try that. And that's usually what you came here to do. And so a, a natal church does a really good job of pointing that out. Like, don't get lazy, rest on this identity piece here. There's more to you than you think. And you called it a needle chart? Oh, a natal chart. Na- natal chart. Okay. What are like a few tips that the listeners could do today to kind of help them connect either to any of the things you're talking about, whether it's astrology or any of the pieces of that, just your strengths and talents, <laughs> the things that you've talked about. What are some tips that you could give the listeners around those? Well, as far as, I mean, there's so much astrology information online these days. And there is, I mean, there is a plethora of good teaching. Someone could follow me on Instagram and DM me if they want. And I would be happy to send books, podcasts. So as far as astrology information goes, you can, you can find it everywhere. It's not all good, but a lot of it is great these days. There are a lot of great astrologers. It's a lot more than your sun sign. You know, the, your, our, our sun sign is a big piece of the identity equation, but the moon sign is super interesting and informative as far as helping us work with the emotional reality that's underneath the surface that, you know, is a little bit more of our private self um, or the self that we bring to relationship. So that's a really interesting thing to research and to know. And then the rising sign is, is interesting to know because it talks a lot about also known as the ascendant. It can tell you a lot about how you come across. So it helps you understand 
it gives you kind of a, an image of what your feedback loop can look like in the outside world. So why am I always attracted to blah, blah, blah? Or why do I always talk so much? Or why am I so curious? Or why am I always so intense and people don't like my intensity? So it probably has a lot to do with your rising sign. That's how we kind of come off our outward personality. So there's so many little, little symbols of, of how we are in the world, our patterns of thinking and behavior. I mean, it's all interesting and you can't really, I don't like picking the birth chart or natal chart apart so much, but it is fun to work with those three things. Like if you're going to do just a, a basic dip into astrology, don't just do sun sign, but do sun, moon, and rising sign or better yet, get a reading. And then you can sort of watch how those pieces grow and evolve because there is a that's another thing astrology does really well is it talks about the stages of growth that we go through. That's really interesting. Cause I had a, and I've always wondered this, I am a cancer sun sign and Capricorn rising. And my mom is Capricorn sun sign. I don't know what she is rising, but I've always had an interesting, sometimes challenging relationship with her. And I was always wondering if it had something to do with the fact that she was Capricorn and I was Capricorn rising and cancer. And if there was something there. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, obviously like this is where, but I, I could immediately say, yeah. So um, I would imagine you growing up, she would look at you and say, Oh, Heather, she's like a little mini me. She's got my, my serious, my drive, my intensity. And then upon you know, further inspection, she'd find out you're a little softer than she thought was smart, you know, a little too sensitive, you know, buck up, like I thought you were a little tougher, right? So there's this expectation of my little Everest climber. And then there may be a a little bit of a, oh, no, you need to toughen up, actually, you're not as tough as I thought you were. So maybe got mom as the authority, kind of teaching you how to step in and stick to it or get tougher, which is maybe not what a a little cancer soul needs all the time. And by the way, no parent is like at fault for doing this. It's like everyone's doing the best they can, but we're, we're reading different pieces of each other, right? Like when we started this interview, we might've started with just rising sign to rising sign, a lot of sun, sun to sun. If we were to sit here and talk for another hour, the moon starts coming up and we get, we'd have a more intimate conversation that had more depth and more of us came out once we sort of felt a little safer to let that moon out, you know, so, but that happens with parents and kids all the time where you think your kids are one thing, but you really have to observe, observe and listen closely to see that there are these other these other layers that are developing and trying to emerge naturally. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's a really, it's a dance, <laughs> but it yeah. is, I mean, it is. And especially with kids where you don't have a lot of information to go on, especially sort of kids who aren't that verbal or pre-verbal We're reading signs. Right. What are you reading? Are you reading the identity? Are you reading the emotional needs? Are you reading the outward personality? Are you reading the drive or the, the way we attach, you know, Who's to say we're reading all of it all the time, but we're compartmentalizers. So we pick one thing out and then we label it and say, you're this, 
I'm a that. How do you find trauma impacts that? In many ways. Yeah. So that might be for another podcast episode. Yeah. I mean, trauma (laughs) is its own thing. I mean, everything is, you know, trauma, the way I look at trauma is it's, it's a gigantic emotional experience. And if you just boil it down to that, right. I don't, I don't see it as permanent damage ever because once it's done, it's done, right. Once it's passed, it's passed. I don't believe we care. We can carry the, the echo of trauma with us for our whole lives, but in order to do that, we have to keep referencing it, right? We have to keep applying meaning or updating the meaning and understanding. And sometimes that takes years and layers. And here's the point I want to make about what, how I look at trauma as far as just the birth chart or the natal chart and how it impacts these different functions or patterns that we, we hold is that if it's a, if it's a negative heightened experience, which by the way, could just be someone telling you that you have like, you have blue skin, you know, when you're two and then the rest of your life, you don't feel quite right, you know, quite right in classrooms or groups. I mean, it doesn't matter what the experience looked like on the outside. It mattered how it felt and how you experienced it. And so any negative experience, we can't really, it's like you can't unsee things and you can't unhear it. So what we do is we just wrap it up tight, shove it in the ground and try to hold it, hold it down. But that takes a lot of energy. So what you find is, I mean, I I think is a a lot of the the patterns and functions that we're gifted with the, like the sun sign is our vitality and how we feel kind of sane in the world and how we see ourselves and how we direct our core drives. A lot of that energy is going into holding this thing underground it's a lot of repression takes a lot of energy a lot of our emotional needs get redirected into holding this thing down and once we you know maybe point at it through an astrology reading or point at it repeatedly in coaching what happens is i don't have to hold that down anymore like it releases energy you know it's like acupuncture it's just it's a block it's an obstacle the body and the body, mind, and spirit work so hard to keep us in balance, in harmony, to heal things. And sometimes our solution to healing, especially, especially mentally, is to just put it in a drawer, lock it in a closet, hold it underground, or try to hold it under like a beach ball, right? Mm-hmm. It wants to come up and out. And we recover energy and all the other functions start to flow. The body starts to heal itself. We try to treat it like something um, that doesn't need to be given all the attention in the room. And often it does, it takes up all the attention in the room. That doesn't mean you ignore it at all. There's, that's what compassion is for. That's what listening is for. That's what perspective and understanding and understanding things like store. Story is a great word to use with trauma, right? Because we're talking about meaning and beliefs but, you know, it's like the loudest person in the room. Do we let the person, the loudest person in the room, be the only one talking in the room? No, we politely ask them to lower their voice, please, and sort of re-instruct that person, on, you know, through good modeling, like mm-hmm. how, to, how to be in the group and let everyone talk at once. I sort of think trauma is that, that loud person in the room. 
who probably doesn't know that they're talking so loudly and stealing the show. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I'm hearing you say is that the astrology and the astrological signs and who you are will always be there. The trauma maybe comes on top and it ends up making it harder to see some of that stuff of who you really are. But if you can clear that trauma and kind of say like, you're being too loud, quiet down, but also let's heal it a little bit, that who you are will come back up again. Well, who you are is always operating. It's just, is it operating in the most vital, helpful, supportive kind of, you know, is, are you being the best version of you? If you're all your energy, it's like a, it's like a parent. Mm -hmm. Stop me with all the metaphors, but you know, it's like a parent trying to live their life, but they have a really a needy kid. Mm -hmm. So it's like you deal with the child so that we can all live, we can, we can live together as a happy family and everyone can have a life, right? It's bringing it's, forward that authentic self of who yeah, you but really are. And we're, it's, we're always ourselves. It's just, right. we, are we a stressed out, tired, blocked, preoccupied, um, angry, frustrated, um, stubborn? Like there are these sort of coping versions of ourselves, mm-hmm. which are useful but not as a total life strategy. Right. <laughs> right. right. Like, so true. You know, and it's like, it just doesn't, we don't see any other reality and it's totally innocent that we're, that we're coping. Right. It's just the, the astrology or the coaching is this helpful perspective of like, is it true that you have to cope in this way? Is it true that that thing needs this kind of energy from you, this kind of attention? And usually if someone just stops for a minute, a split second and sees, oh no, just have it. I mean, honestly, like the trauma piece is usually slash, I'm going to go out on the limb and say always, if there's a karma piece to it, there's a repetitiveness to it. There's a, that's not to say at all that good people are born to have bad experiences, but a lot of times some of the bad isn't as bad as we want to keep on making it. We can also, from things that are legitimately bad, because people do experience legitimately horrifying realities. But what's true is that we all have the ability to recover and heal and leave those in the past. Mm -hmm. We don't have to take them with us because they happen to us. We don't have to live the battle every day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's easy, you know, to not, do that but we all have we're given this gift of we're self-healing organisms like let's start there right that's that's really good news so I've kept you for a long time now and I don't want to keep you forever but I love talking to you where can the listeners find you you mentioned Instagram what's your Instagram handle it's Aubrey Thorne A-U-B-R-E-Y Audrey with a B Um, Thorne has an E Aubrey Thorne. Um, my website link is there. Um, and anyway, yeah, it's, I'm easy to find people can DM me or email me or book services through my website or Instagram. It's pretty straightforward. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Heather. This is a really fun conversation. I really I can't wait to hear what I said. <laughs> <laughs> What a great interview. 
to have with Aubrey. I'm so glad she could join us today as she was able to talk to us about her way of coaching with using pointing versus questioning and also around astrology. I will be putting all the links for Aubrey's contact information in the show notes, so feel free to take a look at those. You can find those on your platform that you listen to your podcast. I will also be putting the link for the boot camp. The boot camp is free and it starts on the 15th, so definitely get in there and sign up. Even if you can't make the live calls, you'll have access to all the information through Facebook and through email. So I look forward to seeing you in there and I hope you enjoyed this episode with Aubrey and you were able to take some tips that you're going to start implementing in your own home for yourself. I sign off with love and hope you have a great rest of the day. Until next time, take care.